Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Today's paper is titled, A Simple Neural Network Module for Relational Reasoning. It was put on archive a few days ago, written by Adam Santoro and others at DeepMind. So the paper addresses relational reasoning between sets of objects. Let's say you have a set of objects uh, and want to encode the relationship between them and uh, while conducting another task. The paper introduces a module which they call relation network for that purpose. So the input to the relation module is, or the relation network module is a set of objects each represented with a dense vector and then there is a function that combines uh, that computes uh, the relation between each pair of these objects and using um, um, a multi-layer perceptron and then you aggregate the, these representations the, the, this is the, the output of this function is called a relation and then you sum up these relations and feed it into another MLP uh, another multi-layer perceptron to compute the overall embedding or representation of the relations uh, among these objects in the ESET and um, the paper makes this nice analogy to uh, CNNs and RNNs saying that the capacity to compute relations is baked into the relation network in the same way that the capacity to reason about spatial and translational tr translation invariant properties are built into the CNN and also in the same way that the capacity to reason about sequential dependencies is built into the recurrent neural networks. So what you described sounds really, really similar to me to similarity matrices that have been computed in NLP models, deep NLP, deep uh, text models for a long time. So there's this, uh, sorry, the decomposable attention model by Ankur Parikh and others at Google, uh, where uh, given a pair of sentences, they compute a similarity matrix between this parameterized with a neural net on each similarity operation, and they do some aggregation functions on top of that. Like that seems like exactly like what you're describing here. Also, the bidirectional attention flow model by Minjun Seo computes a similarity between each word vector in a question and each word vector and, and each word vector in a passage, computing the similarity matrix that they, they then do further operations on. Um, so, am I missing something? Is is that's exactly right. That you can uh, use the, uh, the the functions used in both of these papers to replace uh, the, the the function that uh, computes the relation between a pair of, of entities here in this uh, in this model. Uh, and then I think the main difference would be uh, the fact that this works on a set of objects. So basically, it sums up uh, the relations that you get from uh, from the pairs. Another uh, small distinction is that uh, the other papers are concerned about finding a similarity between the objects while this is trying to encode the relation in a dense vector. Uh, so the output is not as clear it's a vector in this time, but at the end we're still using neural networks to compute it. Right, I guess I said similarity, but actually that's not what's computed in the decomposable attention model. It, it's this matrix of... Um, uh, it, it is a matrix of like similarity, something like a similarity computation, but actually what the SNLI model is trying to decide is if there's an entailment relationship between this pair of words. It's just a matrix, a relational operation that's like exactly what's going on here. Similarly, in, in the bidirectional attention flow model, it's not an explicit similarity. It's a parameterized function that then gets used to update some further representation. So I, I called it a similarity matrix because you're doing this matrix of operations. Um, anyway, it, 
it just seems like this is something that's, that's been done for a long time, and I'm not really sure what's new here. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, uh, I, I, when I saw this paper, I didn't, um, I didn't think this is the first time someone um, like defines um, a function that comp that uh, estimates the relationship between uh, pairs of objects in in this fashion. Uh, I think maybe one the nice thing here is that they're indicating that this is a thing. This is a module that you can instantiate and put in another model, which is just putting more emphasis on uh, on the usefulness on, of this structure. Maybe I'm being a little bit pushing on this a little bit too much, but uh, that like if you're writing code in Keras or something, this is just a layer. I have a layer that is a matrix attention layer that computes the similarity matrix exactly, and I wrote this code a long time ago. So I don't know. Uh, Maybe you'll have Goldberg's um, post yesterday on like criticizing deep learning uh, papers that try to do language has gotten me thinking about this, but I'm just really struggling to find out what's new here. It seems like they're claiming more than they should be. Um, I think the main thing that made this paper uh, as popular as it is now on Twitter <laughs> is that the uh, results they have on the Clever dataset um, are exceeding the human performance. So maybe I should uh, spend a minute talking about this data set. It's, um, it consists of 100,000 rendered images and about 1 million uh, auto-generated questions. Um, so it's, it was released a few months ago in December by folks at Stanford and FAIR. It will be presented in CVPR 2017. So, um, so I'm seeing an example of this, uh, these images now. It has a, uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a 2D image that shows a bunch of objects, 3D objects with, uh, with shadows. Um, so there are cylinders, spheres, and, uh, and cubes. Each of them have different colors. Some of them have different material. And the question goes like, are, one question would be, are there an equal number of large things and metal spheres? Another question would be, how many objects are either small cylinders or metal things. So these are um, kind of tricky questions for um, for a, a computational model to answer. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are automatically generated questions, and we we know from previous work that um, you know natural languages are very different than automatically generated language. Um, so we we know this, for example, uh, from results on baby dataset, uh, which I'm sure Matt can talk for hours about. <laughs> Let's not waste time talking about that data set. Right. Uh, so yeah, the, so to go back the, to the paper, the, the results in this paper uh, show that adding this uh, module, the relation, net, the relation um, network module, to a neural network that's performing at the state-of-the-art uh, level for this data set um, substantially improves the performance and importantly out exceeds the performance of humans on this task. So the best previous results was uh, reported in this for, was 68.5%. Um, their re-implementation with some tuning for the parameters got it up to 76.6%. So that's like an 8% increase uh, just without uh, modifying the network at all. But then when you, when you add the relation network module to it to reason about how each of these uh, pairs of objects um, actually are related, 
you get a very big performance increase into UV, about 20 or 19 point increase and the result is 95.5%, which is a few points more than what the humans can do on this. So let me push back on that a little bit. Um, I, I do think this is an interesting piece of work and it's good that people are looking at, at these models in this data set. Like I don't want to criticize the authors here, but we should be really careful about the hype that we give to results. It, it makes a really nice headline to say, ooh, superhuman performance on a visual reasoning task. But wait a minute, what humans are you talking about? Was this people on Mechanical Turk? Uh, did you actually check that um, they were trying to solve the task? There's a lot of noise on Mechanical Turk, and if that's how, like, I, I, I don't know where the, the human performance came from, so um, I haven't read the, like, the clever paper, so I don't, I don't know this for sure. But uh, when, you, when you make these out, uh, strong claims about like superhuman performance, you need to be really careful. Strong claims require strong evidence. And also they say a visual reasoning task. Reasoning over what? Uh, um, when, when you hear um, superhuman performance on a, vi on a visual reasoning task, you might think uh, we have these complex natural language statements that we have to do reasoning over. Actually, this is machine-generated text, if I'm understanding right. Uh, just like baby, uh, you can't call this natural language reasoning. It's, it's not natural language. So uh, while this is an interesting result, we need to be really careful about the scope of the claims that we make. Otherwise, we're just going to go off the rails. So I agree, yes, uh, we should take these results with a grain of salt. Uh, I don't know, honestly, how, uh, how well trained the humans who were performing this task or whether they were actually trying to uh, explicitly uh, address this problem or not. Let me quickly talk about the model that they used to, make, uh, to solve the problem. Um, they used a convolutional neural network to convert the image into a set of object embeddings. And their notion of objects are really very strange, uh, but we're, let's not go into this detail. <laughs> so they don't actually try to do object detection, um, rather they consider um, a few parts in the image to be objects and find relationships between them. Um, so that's, that's what they do in order to get an embedding for each object. Um, and then they use an LSTM to embed the question that that is asked about the image, and then compute the relation between each pair of the entities using the relation network, and aggregate these uh, relation embeddings and feed them into another multilayer perceptron, and then make the prediction about the answer. So I'm looking at the specifics of the model, and now I can see where the differences are between the previous um, similarity matrix kinds of things that I've seen or uh, there's also this paper on like multi-context attention that outputs uh, a vector in, as a, like your similarity computation. You have like uh, multiple entries in this vector instead of just a single similarity. And these are parameterized, so they learn different things. It's not just a simple dot product. Um, so the, the real difference here, the, uh, instead of having a similarity matrix, I'm still gonna use this word even though it's not totally correct, uh, Instead of having the similarity matrix between a question and a passage, each word in, in the question and each word in the passage, they have this between each pixel, each pair of pixels in the image, right? And then this is parameterized not just by a vector of learned parameters, but also by the question vector. So you're given a question, uh, you encode it with an LSTM, and then you take that encoded vector and use it as part of the parameterization of this similarity function. And so, so yeah, you're, you're doing essentially a, a similarity between three things instead of two. So it's slightly different in the same vein as some other work. 
um, that should, I think, have been cited but wasn't. Um, but anyway, like a lot of people have been thinking about these similar ideas. Um, it's not, to me, some revolutionary new like network structure. It's just an application of ideas that people have had for a long time to a particular new problem with, with good results. They're not at all. And the uh, like the group of pixels that they consider to be an object, this is really an abstraction that, uh, yeah, I, I don't think is critical to this work. Uh, so I don't think this, um, yeah, the, the, this distinction is, uh, yeah. is the main novelty here. And I should be I should be clear. I said each pair of pixels. I mean each pair of um, the like max pooled top layer representation out of your CNN. So it's it's not like a, an individual pixel. It's like a, a representation of a group of pixels that you're comparing. Right. So um, one thing that they wanted to uh, explore more closely is how does the like the, is this good because it addresses the relational uh, aspect or the relational uh, reasoning between objects or is it good just in general um, and and the and the clever dataset doesn't have like a distinction between questions that talk about relations and one that don't so they constructed this. Um, aptly named uh, dataset called Sort of Clever, which uh, consists of 2D images um, rendered. Um, each of them consists of six squares or circles with unique colors so that they can ask questions about them. And they hard code the questions. Uh, and there are two types of questions that they ask. One is relational and the other is non-relational. So an example of a relational question would be, what is the shape of the object that is farthest from the gray object? And another non-relational object would, question would be, what is the shape of the gray object? And the results are kind of interesting. They confirm uh, their their hypothesis that this this relation network is really embedding relation between things. Uh, so the convolutional neural network, the baseline, gives 94 94% uh, accuracy on the non-relational questions, but only 63% accuracy on the relational questions. Um, when you compare this to their CNN model co uh, augmented with the relational um, with the relation network module, it gets 94% uh, accuracy on both types of problem on both types of questions. So uh, the the result the conclusion they draw here is that uh, really the relation network is good at uh, modeling this relation between pairs. They also uh, show results on baby, which um, yeah, we're not um, we're not super excited about, but um, the, uh, the 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 main the main takeaway in the paper is that there is a particular task in Baby called basic induction task, and um, the best of the three baselines they looked at it performs at 55%. That's the DNC model, and uh, their model with uh, with the relation network gives a 98% accuracy on this task. So. The, okay, let's talk about baby for for just a minute. Um, there, they show that they don't do too well on um, the three-step uh, task. So here, imagine a set. I guess I need to describe baby. So you get a list of of state sentences, like John is in the garage. John picked up the football. John went to the hallway. Where is the football? Or where was the football before the hallway? And the answer is garage. And so in order to answer that last question, you need to put together a number of things. Um, what you might notice is that uh, this model does nothing to do multi-step kinds of reasoning. How does it get this question right then? 
how, how can it possibly go backwards in time uh, in order to answer the question correctly? Well, you can imagine uh, these, these questions are, are totally templated. And so uh, you can imagine the model just learning that it can store the comparison it needs to do for the first step in one part of its uh, hidden vector state and the comparison it needs to do for the second part, second step of reasoning in the another part of its hidden state and the the comparison it needs to do for the for the third step like it's always going to be an item and a person for instance it'll do that comparison in like the last section of its hidden state and so you can do because this task is so artificial and so templated you can actually decompose all of the steps that you need in this supposedly multi-step process into um, just an aggregation of um, pairwise uh, comparisons. Does, does this make sense? It does. So, yeah, I, I would, again, take this result and any result on baby with a huge grain of salt because it's not really language. It's in incredibly templated and, and, and incredibly templated and thus uh, gameable in these kinds of ways. This model shouldn't be able to do anything multi-step, but it can solve baby without too much trouble. So to wrap up, this paper uh, produce, it introduces um, a relation module uh, where whenever you have a set of objects and uh, you want to characterize the relations between the objects uh, or pairs of these objects, you can use this module um, to get it. And there are some uh, results that suggest it may be a good fit for this. Okay, thanks, Wally, for telling us about this paper. Next time, we'll have another interview with Marwan Al-Shadivat who will be talking to us about his paper called Contextual Explanation Networks.